What's up, guys? Heathen Culture Podcast. Listen, in the lab today, I've known this gentleman for a few years. Um, started out as a gym member. Started out as a just a normal guy. Didn't come in, say anything to anybody. I just want to sign up, work out. Um, kind of didn't really get to know each other. He left, came back. We built a friendship, car thing, all that stuff. And then uh, we both realized we're both in the 365 Driven Society together. We've got a mutual friend, mentor, Tony Watley, um, owner of owner podcast host of The Way of the Wolf. Um, you want to talk about somebody, not necessarily entrepreneurship driven, but leadership driven. Uh, mentally and physically, one of the toughest people I know, Mr. Sean Barnes. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to talking through the differences between leadership and entrepreneurship. And I think obviously you have to be a successful leader to yes. build a strong company, but it is not a requirement. And it is these are skills that you can learn over time. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I think I think a lot of the thing is, is is with entrepreneurship, most people, they think entrepreneurship is just come in, be the boss Cause that's what, that's what, uh, culture tells us yep. to be a boss, not to be a leader. Mm -hmm. There's a very significant uh, difference there. But then the thing is, is like once they reach what they consider a deemable, uh, form of success, then they let the prisoners run the, the inmates run the prison. Yeah. And, and it's not a good thing. And you have to learn how to lead. You have to learn how to constantly, even if you're innovating, evolving and, and growing your business, you have to learn how to have leaders and um, kind of like what you're going through in, mm -hmm. in your situation, you have to have people that if you're going to hire people, if you're going to have employees, you have to find people who lead the teams, who lead each individual section mm -hmm. in a way that, that guides them to be better. And I think that you're probably one of the better people to talk about this because, you know, you've been in the oil and gas industry for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. You've seen the ups and downs. You've seen all the craziness. Um you were an extreme introvert. Yeah, very much so. You, you still were when you first started here a little bit. You're well, introvert. so that, that speaks to kind of who I am at my core. I am very much an introvert. And when you start learning about personality profiles and things like that, people can flex out of their comfort zone, but it can be exhausting. Um, I believe you said you're a, a C-type, correct? Correct, yeah. So if you look at disc profiles, there's kind of four quadrants in the, in the disc. Uh, Cs are usually very conscientious, highly analytical, kind of quiet to themselves. You usually find them in IT or engineers, sometimes accounting. They just want to sit behind a keyboard and bang away and do their thing. Leave me alone. Don't talk to anybody. So that's who I am at my core, and that's who I was for the majority of my career. Synonymous with numbers, anything to do with your your day to day analytics, your information, your, uh, you know, we 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 jokingly say IT mm -hmm. because people don't people think IT is just computers. IT is so much more. But then now, you know, you you've kind of you, you've reached your bubble. You popped mm -hmm. your, you popped that introvert bubble. You're yep. like, hey, I'm gonna get out there. I'm gonna do the way of the wolf. I'm gonna put myself out there. Um, You've recently, uh, you're now vice president of IT, several things now. HR and business solutions. So my official title is vice president of business solutions, and then also have a consulting firm that focuses on IT, HR, and leadership development, which is a big passion of mine. But yeah, it's, I mean, absolutely. When I think through my career, I was that introvert and I knew that I always wanted more. And I finally came to realize over the years that I'm going to have to come out of this bubble. I can't sit behind my desk and be a keyboard warrior and achieve the success that I wanted and knew that I was capable of. So I had to start learning leadership skills. I had to start learning how to effectively communicate with business leaders and all the support function leaders and, and people in, in our organization. And yeah. over the last year, I've come to realize I want to... I want to have a greater impact than just in my full-time career. I yeah. want to be able to impact other individuals, other organizations. And hopefully if I can kind of teach some of the lessons I've learned to young IT professionals or just professionals in general and help them kind of condense that time down yeah, so that they can be more successful sooner, that's kind of my ultimate goal here. Well, now... You know, you, you did a podcast recently, mm -hmm. and, and I got to listen to it, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm drawing some of my some of my knowledge from. Mm -hmm. But kind of talking about that, you were you know the introvert. You ran the 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 IT section. You, you've done all that stuff. When you 
approached your your the owner of your company, mm-hmm. the person that was above you, and mm-hmm. he's like, I want to run X section. Mm-hmm. What was the initial response? Like 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 what made you go, I want to walk into this office and ask for this job? What what was that point? And then kind of go into the whole process after. Yeah. Because because a lot of people, I think a lot of people that are not necessarily entrepreneurs, but people that go, you know, I want to be a leader in my company. Mm-hmm. You know, I like my job. Um, I like the paycheck. I like the steadiness. I, I like being an employee. I like who I work for, who what they stand for, so on and so forth. But I want to, you know, obviously get a bigger, better paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to lead people. and I want to mold people in this company to make this company better. Okay. I think there are a lot of people out there like that. When you started, kind of run through the whole thing, like how you got the idea, what what you did, how it was received. Yep. Let's go through that because I think more people need to hear that kind of thing. Yeah, and and so what's what's interesting because a lot of times people scratch their head whenever I say I'm in IT and HR or I lead both because they are polar opposites. For me, at this point, I had spent maybe 15 or so years of my career focused on IT. And my entire life technology has come easy to me. I'm very passionate about it. But after 15 years, I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, well, not a whole lot to do here. The technology at the company was running fine. We didn't really have any major issues. There was no no challenge for me to, to drive me to do better. And as I mentioned in that other podcast that I was on, our team, our technology team, started getting black eyes because HR would bring somebody around that they had just hired but not told us. And so HR would then go to the business leaders, oh, well, IT doesn't have their equipment set up, so we'll wait for them. And so my team was getting the black eye. And so for me, I was frustrated with something that was completely out of our control. And you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are aware of Jocko Willink. He talks about ownership. And I thought to myself, okay, how can I take ownership of this? And initially it started out with me kind of working with and coaching the director of HR, trying to help guide her through, hey, let's let's work together. Let's do this. Let's do this. And in the end, she, she ended up leaving on her own and I saw an opportunity. And so after having some conversations with some of my peers and colleagues in the business and, and mentors, I approached our CEO and sat down and said, I would really like this opportunity to lead our human resources organization. Yeah. And she kind of shook her head and, oh, wait, this is really weird. Why you're the IT guy? That doesn't really make any sense. And after that initial conversation, her response was no. So I went home. How did that make you feel? Uh it was like, because like, I mean, you are an introvert. You you stepped yeah. out of your you stepped out of your box. Mm-hmm. You you not only displayed interest, but you actively asked for the mm-hmm. opportunity to show what you could do. Yep. As an employee, I mean, most most people mm-hmm. would get, would lick their wounds, go in their office, and never try again. Yep. What did what like what was your mindset when you got told no? So it was demoralizing and frustrating. But after thinking on it for a few days, I realized that clearly I had not conveyed my message well enough for her to really see the value. And so I spent a little bit more time, thought about it. I regrouped and and asked if I could have another meeting with her to discuss the why behind it. So this second time around, I really came prepared and I talked through exactly what I wanted to accomplish, why, what I've seen over the years. And to kind of delve into that a little bit, we kept on, we had a lot of turnover at the senior HR leadership level. And what I observed is we kept on hiring HR managers and putting them at VP level roles. And it's just an entirely different skill set. So we were also a very acquisitive company and these HR leaders didn't have any experience with integrations, which is something that I've spent the majority of my mind, my career doing because oil and gas. And so sitting down that second time, I explained, here's what I've observed. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm strong at. I don't know employment law, but I do know structure and I do know processes and I do know how to build teams. You can learn. And exactly. And I can learn the employment law piece. We had a, a lot of HR managers that knew payroll, that knew employment law, that knew uh, you know, all the ins and outs of it. They needed a leader to be able to bring them together. And so that second time around, I was able to come in and pitch my case. And she was intently listening through that entire conversation. It didn't really say a whole lot. She was just intently listening. And, and she said, can you give me a day to think about it? 
And then I agreed, obviously. And the next day she said, hey, we'd like for you to step in and take over our HR organization. So at that point, it got really interesting because I stepped into a role where there were seven HR managers that would be reporting directly to me. Six of which wholeheartedly believed in their mind they would be the next HR director. So when the previous director left, there were six of them that 100% thought, hey, now's my spot. I'm stepping into the director role. And so they were completely blindsided by the IT guy coming in and, and then leading them. And I'm sure that didn't go very well. It did not. It did not go over well at all. And so initially me stepping into the role, it wasn't intended to be long term. It was, it was supposed to be six months to a year. Let's bring the team together, get some structure and processes in place, and then bring in a seasoned HR leader to take that team to the next level. Yes. And so a lot of my conversations with all of these individuals were, hey, I'm not going to be here forever. My role is to help get you guys to communicate effectively, build some uh, standardized and repeatable processes. Once that's in place, we're going to identify the next leader of the HR organization and then just go on from there. Now, if you guys can help me get there faster, I will put you in front of our CEO to interview for this opportunity. Absolutely. But I need your help. I need your yeah. help in, in you gotta, getting you there. Truly earn your spot. That's exactly what it came down to. And, and the next few months were really spent hyper-focused on learning the individuals of the team, yes. building their trust, getting them to understand that ultimately I'm here to help them. And I think that's one of the key tenets of leadership is it is no longer about you as an individual contributor, what Sean can do. Once you step into that leadership role, you are now a force multiplier. You are there to ensure the success of everyone else. Absolutely. That's supporting the company, that's supporting the employees. And I think that's, that can be challenging for people that step into a leadership role that don't have that mindset. Yes. Because they think, oh, I'm the boss. This is what we're going to do. And they come in with a hammer or they're just not developed as leaders in general, which is kind of a whole nother topic. When you look at leadership development and training, there's a lot of stuff out there, but a lot of, I think a lot of schools teach management and not leadership. And I think there's a differentiator between them. Yeah. So, Well, and, and I think also the, the biggest thing of it is, is most people think, you know, working in a, in a kind of company like you have, like you have to be this amazing human being and, and you have to have this incredible resume to even get a shot at moving up or into a position like that. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize you have to, it's a sales pitch every single time. Anytime you interview for a job, anytime you ask for a raise, anytime you, you do that, you have to build your own worth and you have to show, Hey, I'm a leader. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I recorded yesterday and I'm going to try to put it out uh, here soon, but knowing your worth and owning who you are and owning what you bring to the table and going, you know what? I might, not be the greatest at this, mm -hmm. but I've got this other 95% that I'm amazing at. Yep. And I'm willing to learn this last 5% to show you what I can do here and show you what I bring to the table as far as getting us all on the same page and leading in this company. And I think a lot of employees go, well, if I just work hard, I'll get there one day. And I'm like, there's so much more to it. Mm -hmm. there, there's, I was in the corporate world before I became the tattoo gym owner, yeah. loud mouth, unfiltered person that I am. I used to be the guy that worked in a cubicle mm -hmm. and I went from the cubicle to having my own office. And then I was the corporate purchasing manager for an oil field company that was doing a hundred million dollars a year. Yeah. And I was, I was doing the whole China thing. I was taking care of things. I was buying local. I was doing everything I, was, I, I could possibly do. And I think for me, where I made the transition over to being an entrepreneur, someone like you, if you were been in, in my life and going, hey man, this is how you need to approach this, this is how you need to go, this is where your, your areas of work need to be, maybe this other company or maybe this branch or whatever might work better for you. You know, I'll never forget the thing that made me an entrepreneur. I'll never forget the statement that made me an entrepreneur. So I worked at an old, little oil and gas company called Bestway Oilfield. 
They're still around. They've, they've grown. They're like doing about half, half a billion a year now. Okay. Um, the owner of the company, his name's Gus. Fantastic guy. I love him to death. He was kind of like a father figure. His son, Ronnie, was the CEO. And, and for me, I was making like 60000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I'd... I'd saved I'd save them millions and millions of dollars on projects. I was like, hey, look, man, the average corporate corporate purchasing manager makes about a hundred a year. Um I that's pretty much entry at this level. I'd like to make the entry level. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a five thousand dollar raise. And so I was like, okay, man, I see how this is going. So eventually I, you know, he goes, just work harder. Um, a couple projects came up buying parts for valves. I saved them about $10 million. Just me going through the purchasing chain and just really negotiating. And I said, Hey, here's the quote you got. Here's my quote, 10 million less. And he goes, man, thank you. I was like, I think I deserve a raise. And he goes, well, let me think about it. That night he went out, had, did his thing, came in the next day talking about how he dropped 20 grand at the strip club. And I was like, well, that sounds to me like you don't even think too hard. I said, I'm doing really, I'm, I've saved you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to make a hundred a year. Mm-hmm. That, that's my number. And he goes, if I could buy you for what I think you're worth and sell you for what you think you're worth, I wouldn't need to work in the, I wouldn't need to own an oil and gas company. And I was like, Right then and there, no one will ever devalue what I do ever again. Yeah. I'm going to go and build my own thing. And that's what made me become an entrepreneur. And I think, honestly, if someone like you, mm-hmm. someone actually cared about their team, wanted to see their company do better, mm-hmm. someone like you was in that role, you would, you would go, hey, man, you got a leader in this spot. Yep. You got somebody that has a skill set that we don't have. That's, that's where it comes from. And I think a lot of people that are employee positions – need to hear something like your story because you went into that office after being rejected a couple of days later, you went in and you go, this is what I bring to the table. This mm-hmm. is what I don't know. This is what I do know. Yep. This is what I can't. I, and I think that's a, an awesome thing. Yeah. And it also, you know, as you were kind of sharing that story, a few things came to mind for me, but one of those is the importance of building your brand. And a lot of people think of branding, marketing, public companies, you know, all of the things that go along with with a brand, but we all have our own individual brand. Absolutely. We come to the table. And one of the, the reputations that I've kind of built over the years is I always dress one level above the job that I wanted. So something my grandfather taught me growing up Absolutely. was dress for, the job you job, dress for the job you want, not the one you have. And so I'm always... Wearing a tie. And I set that same standard for my technology team, for example. Hey, guys, whenever you start here, I have high expectations. And we're going to wear button-up shirts, long sleeve. You're going to wear a tie, all of that stuff. Fridays, you can not wear a tie. That's casual Friday. Yeah. Right? Let, hey. You know, guys, let the hair down. So, But, <laughs> I mean, I think it's important for people to focus on building that brand. And you may not see a result immediately. And it may take time to be able to build that brand, build that reputation. So another story that comes to mind for me, our COO of the company, whenever I was just in the IT role, like I said earlier, we didn't really have a whole lot of technology issues. We were able to build everything cloud-based from the start and things just pretty much worked. So anytime I would try to get FaceTime with him, it was it was very challenging. And when I would sit down, hey, my printer works, I'm cool, I'm good. You know, I've got more important things to do. And over time, every time I'd make a trip to the office in the city that they're located in, I would sit outside his office. He had a big chair and, and sofa outside, and I would just hang out there. And there were days when I would spend 45 minutes, an hour just waiting. And one day, he let me come in, and we started having a real conversation. And I think he started to get a little bit more insight into who I was as an individual and how I think through solving problems. And so the message here is continue to build your brand and you can't give up. Yeah. You have to keep going back. You have to keep going back. And sometimes you may overstep and you may get your hand slapped. But you know what? 
you learn something from it. You know not to do that again. Well, and the thing is, is I think most people, and especially like someone coming from a background like yours where you've been introverted and all that, I think a lot of people are so scared to overstep a bound because mm-hmm. they're going to lose your job. Listen, if you, if you get your ass handed to you in a meeting because you made a mistake, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But you have you have to be willing to put up with the sacrifice or the punishment for you know, overstepping the line or whatever you've done. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you bring value to your company, you go, Hey man, you're, you're going to slap on the hand, but you're going to get, you're going to get their attention. They're going to go, Hey, all right. I liked where you're going. This is where you stepped over. How can we take it up to this point? And I, and I don't think people understand that part of it. Growth is one of those things where it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Mm-hmm. The moment you step out on what you believe and you have an idea to improve an organization, you immediately become a man on a lone island with an idea, and that idea can either make or break. And most of the time, you're gonna break. Yeah. But the more you stay at it, the more you plan, the harder you work, it's gonna make one day. And when mm-hmm. it makes, you are you're taking care of your 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 life is gonna change. Mm-hmm. And I think with you transitioning into the HR role from IT, now you've become what I would consider to be indispensable with your company. Everyone knows you as Sean, vice president of business relations. Now you're not, you know, vice president of it, the Mm -hmm. guy that, you know, drives a Corvette and he's really quiet. You're like, Hey, I'm here to lead these organizations Mm -hmm. inside of this company to make us better. Yeah. And personal branding. It is. It's, it's personal branding. And, you know, there's there's another component that hasn't been as dominant over the past year just because of the nature of this industry. But the business solutions piece, which is focused on process improvement, acquisition integrations and things like that, which are also something that I'm very passionate about integrations because they can be very exciting and challenging. And I, and I love a good challenge. Well, if you don't mind my asking mm-hmm. without getting into too much detail. The company you're with, what mm-hmm. what is the the area of expertise? So we are primarily an oil field services company, but we do have a large product division. So we we have four, uh, I'm sorry, three different services arms, and then also have a product division. Uh, when you say services, you're talking like wellhead service. We're talking about like. Uh, uh, so it's going to be like so it's going to be wireline services. Okay. Cementing coil tubing, and then a completion tools business. Okay. So when you're integrating, so, and I know this part of it, when you're, when you go to like, say you acquire a company mm-hmm. and you're like, you know what, they have a really great software program they use. And I like the way they take, um, ex employee at the location. These people have to check in, they have a radar system in their vehicle. So we know how fast they're going. We know where they're going. We monitor it, but we don't have that in this part of the company. How can we integrate over? And you're just taking all that information, all those system processes, mm-hmm. and I- implementing them into your current setup. Yeah, so that is one of the most exciting things about integrations. And in my career, I've been fortunate to have been part of about 47, 48 acquisitions. And the the beautiful part of it, especially when you start looking at, at volume and scale of acquisitions, is you have a unique opportunity, especially at the corporate level, to look into and gain insight into what every single business is doing, what every single entrepreneur came up with, and you can take the best of all of those little worlds and then create something great for the entire organization. So whenever I look at the, I'm going to say 13-ish or so acquisitions that have been made with my, my current company, we only have really five key systems that the entire business operates off of. And we've become increasingly proficient at integrating these businesses. So once you're acquired day one, me and my team would come in, start having conversations, assessing what's going on, and then identifying, hey, what do they do well? What do we have better over here? And then it's focused on the implementation of usually our systems and kind of bringing them in. The challenge also lies in managing the change. So when you talk about digital transformation and integration, the misconception there is all it's all about the technology the problem is it's not 
Yeah. The technology is, is really commoditized. They all kind of do the same thing. It's about managing the people and helping them see the value in coming over to your systems and your processes. And there, there have been times. So the acquisition that was made back in 2018, it was half a billion dollar acquisition. And the company that we already had was operating at kind of a fraction of that. So that large acquisition came in the door and they had been established for over 25 years. So they had much more mature established processes that we then adopted. We yes. said, hey, this is actually really good. We like what you guys are doing. Let's let's roll that in. And so there's that, that blending effort. And that particular integration was challenging for a number of reasons, but we also had a lot of engineers that were butting heads. A yes. lot of C personality types that my design's better, my design's better, well, this material's better. I mean, so that was quite interesting, but it is part of the challenge in managing the people and helping them see the value in making the right decision for the organization. Again, touching base on leadership. Yeah. You know, hey guys, listen, this design is what we're rolling with. This mm -hmm. material is what we're rolling with. Let's work together. You, you're the expert at this. You're the expert at this. You guys are the expert at that. Let's, let's make it all work cohesively. And I think that's a big part of what I think maybe most people are not understanding or are missing in the workforce because, you know, we're those people that it's, it's, we push ourselves to become better. We push ourselves to, you know, in the entrepreneur world, like we see Instagram where people are just going, well, I created this little part and it's, I'm a millionaire now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, people don't understand like when you're in your world or you're in, um, the multi branches of a business world, you, you need people like you to come in and go, all right, let's, how can we take these processes from these different companies, blend it, make it work, mm -hmm. cherry pick excellence, if you will. Yeah, that's what it is. You're cherry picking the excellence of each individual business. You're, you're disposing of the, the junk and you're like, all right, how can we grow, get better, get bigger? And let's go get another acquisition. Let's go get another business. Let's, yeah. let's, let's right now we're doing wireline and cold tubing. How can we do cementing? How can we do packing? How can we mm -hmm. do wellhead? How can we shit? Let's, let's, let's look at what does it take to drill? Yeah. All right. It's not just buying drilling rig. We got to get all the processes in place. We got to get all the, the guidance systems and, and the, the gamma ray and all that stuff. There's so many wonderful parts of your industry that people will never understand. They go, Dolan gas, it's a pump. And it's so much more different. It's, it is. There's a there's a lot to it. And whenever I look at, at all of these different, we'll say verticals within the oil and gas industry. And yes, we've got four primary business functions. A, a few years ago, we actually had a um, another division that we ended up divesting because it wasn't really core to our business. It was a workover division. So when you think about it, we did all this completion stuff and then we had this workover group. And so we ended up divesting them. But yeah, there's a lot of components and a lot of companies, you look at Hal and Schlum and, and these, these big guys that have so many different businesses and they're just these behemoths that gobble up all the mom and pops and then integrate them in and they just become this, this massive organization that has a whole bunch of stuff. But some of the challenges that they run into, especially whenever you look at, at scale like that, is making sure that you have the right leadership within each of those organizations because... When, when I look at some of the integrations that I've been a part of just over the years, not, not necessarily at my current employer, but over the years in general, a lot of times they'll buy up a company with not much thought into why other than the numbers. Yeah. And it's so important that you think through what is the why behind it? What is the long-term goal and plan? And what is the vision that the senior leadership is trying to accomplish? And then above and beyond that, how are we going to communicate it through the employee population so that yeah. they know the why behind what we're doing? Well, and, and thing is, is I think with, with proper leadership in any company, it's not just changing the logo on the side of the building. It, you know, you have a leadership go, Hey, look, here's the deal. We, we make money. We're good, but we are really good at this part. Yep. And they want us for this. And that's what we're going to become. Let's let's call it Slumberjay. Yeah, Slumberjay comes in and buys a a small mom and pop mm -hmm. service company like a wellhead company. Yeah, 
and they go, hey, we like how y'all monitor things. We like how you work. We like how you have all these different safety systems in place. And we're gonna, and the people that work for this little mom and pop place, let's call it Joe's, people that work, walk, that work for Joe's just go, oh, man, we're getting bought out. I'm going to get fired. No, you're not going to get fired. Yeah. You, you need to understand you're being bought for a particular reason. It is very rare that a business comes in and goes, I want it because I want it. Yeah. No, they see something there. Exactly. And and a lot of acquisitions and conversations that I have with people, they get very nervous. Just a tendency, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. Okay. And it, it does happen. Yes, absolutely. And what I always focus on sharing and communicating with individuals that have that mindset is, hey, the acquisition occurred for a reason. Do what you do and be the best at what you do. And don't worry, about, everything else will fall in line. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing to focus on. If you sit in fear and worry, you know, it's like sitting in a rocking chair. Give you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. Yeah. Just focus on what you do and be the best in the world at it. Absolutely. And, and that's the hardest part for, I think, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when acquisition comes in, it's, you know, well, again, we're going we're gonna to use Joe and Schlumberger. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well, I'm, I'm the service hand, but I'm going to lose my job because they have all these service hands. I go, yeah, but if you're good at what you do. You shouldn't worry. No. If you're if you're if you are the top dog, and they decide to knock you off because mm-hmm. they already have someone else to come in and do it. If you're the, as badass as you say you are or think you are, you will have no problem going out and getting another fucking job. That's that's so true. Exactly right. I mean, and that's why, you know, a lot of the things. So I also do coaching and things on the side with with individuals. And one of the things I, I coach is hey. Become the best version of yourself. Don't worry about all the noise that exists out there. You focus on you, and you become the best version of you. And you know what? If if you get laid off, you get laid off. You go be the best version of you somewhere else. It's their loss. That's the mindset that, that you have to have. Well, JB was just in here, and we were recording. And the thing is, I, I kind of mentioned this to him. I was like, stay in your fucking lane. Yeah. Become the baddest motherfucker in your lane. And and do something incredible every day. The my my ex father in law told me um, he was hurting for money, mm-hmm. and he was he was the family at the time was struggling, and and my ex wife was a young girl, mm-hmm. and he and he didn't have no money, and he goes I had to go clean toilets at a church. He goes yeah. the best compliment I ever got was I was the best. Those the cleanest toilets they'd ever seen. Yep. If you are the best at what you do and you give every single action as much uh, effort as you can, you will never, ever stay stagnant in your position. You will always advance. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was that young kid at one time, man. I was that young kid that was like, I'm the baddest motherfucker here. Yep. And I'd sit at my desk and not get to do a damn thing. And I'd worry about my job. And I had a boss tell me, hey, man, if you're going to sit here on your ass, you should worry about your job. If you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna work and show us what you can really do, then you don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. And I've used that every day of my life since. Yeah, and you know, you you said something just a moment ago that kind of made me cue off, and I, I have a tendency to go into rabbit holes every now and then. But I like rabbit holes. Whenever I look at the importance of focusing on one core thing or function and becoming the best, I'm going to say best in the world at it. A lot of times, when people start businesses or start trying to go out on their own, they they reach too far and you know what actually i'm going to go above and beyond just people trying to start their own a lot of small businesses will say hey i'm going to do this i'm going to do this i can make money here i can make money here and the problem is you spread yourself too thin and you become average at best yeah at everything yes okay well that's great but when you really want to accomplish true greatness focus on what you are the best in the world at or what you can be the best in the world at and then become the best in the world at that. Once you've kind of reached the pinnacle and have the opportunity, okay, yeah, you can start branching out. But I see people start trying to branch out too far, too fast, and it gets them gets them in a bind and gets them in trouble, and they don't end up being successful. Well, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you spend the time on a project, let's say, and I'll, I'll use the a lifting term for it. You spend your entire life working on your clean and jerk. Mm-hmm. If you if you spend so much time doing it, 
there's not going to be a day where you will get hurt because of a mistake. Mm-hmm. Those the, the the getting injured, the falling behind, the the getting fired, not comes from when you get really comfortable where you don't do the small things every day. Mm-hmm. If you're constantly a student and constantly learning from your past and constantly learning from the mistakes you made before, and you're and you're constantly trying to evolve and become a uh, a better employee, a better student of your craft, mm-hmm. you are not going to fall short. You're going to have bad days like everyone else, yep. but you're not going to fall short. And I think with a lot of people, especially in the, the grand scheme of things that we look at, most people go, I'm really good at this. And once they get really good at it, they slack off and it's businesses do it all the time. They fail. Uh, employees do it all the time. They get fired. Mm-hmm. Vice presidents, CEOs, they 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 start getting on their private plane and going over to other countries all the time, and hanging out and buying all their friends drinks and yada yada yada, and the business, you know, not at first, it's coasting mm-hmm. along because you know all that work, all those processes were in place, and they dip. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people need to understand: just because you get to a certain level of success doesn't mean you stop doing the day to day. You you stop working. You actually just get in it and stay in it, and you do your everyday shit regardless. Mm-hmm. And when it's time to step out and grow, that's what you do. Yeah. And I think a lot of people might have problems with that. I had a problem with that as a kid growing up, like, you know, 20 years old in an office or on a rig or whatever. I'm the baddest motherfucker at setting pipe. So what's interesting, there's a, a phrase that came to mind, and I, I don't even remember where I saw it, but it's complacency breeds mediocrity. And what happens is we all... And ambition breeds success. Yes, absolutely. And and a lot of times, you're right, people will get to that place where they're comfortable. And they just kind of start coasting. And if I'm being honest, uh, I kind of have gotten to that point. And last year, I realized, okay, this is, this is not who I am. I am more driven. I want more. I can do more. And that's part of what prompted me to, to start the podcast, YouTube channel, and and start doing consulting work to try to help more individuals, more businesses to become more successful. And it has lit lit a fire in me that that is a driver of success for me. And, you know, I'm not seeing tons of success from it. I don't have, I think I've got 45 followers on YouTube now. So hey, big man. day for me, hey. right? But at the end of the day, I'm... I love what I do and the impact that I make whenever I I have coaching calls and see people light up when they have that aha moment. It's so fulfilling and helping people reach their potential. Oh, it's, it's just very fulfilling. And so for me, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the followers. It's about how can I help people out? And ultimately I had to reignite that passion because I had become complacent in recent years. Well, I think, you know, when I opened the gym, it wasn't about making money. It was about changing people's lives. Yep. The, the more you, um, I guess, kamikaze into helping people mm-hmm. and doing it for the right reason, the followers and the money, it comes over time. Yeah. And when it comes, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to tell you that I don't enjoy my success that I've built. Yep. I, I just had the conversation with JB. I don't consider myself to be successful yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not successful in my own eyes, Mm -hmm. but I do enjoy the success that has come my way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because I did the, I did it because I wanted to help people. I want people to be better. And I think more people that do that, I think the, the, the side of people that's like, all right, I need to reunite that passion. I need to do it for the right reason. Yes. Everybody starts a business for money. Mm -hmm. Every single person does. But like you, you have a, a forty thousand dollar deal coming out, mm-hmm. and you're going to net eight to ten off of it yeah. if you're lucky. Yeah, everything's going to go subcontractor, software, all other stuff. Yep. People only see the dollar sign at mm-hmm. the beginning; they don't see the end. Me with this place, you know, I'm paying eighteen thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. in just rent. Yeah, that's not including rendition tax, sales tax, yeah. uh, tax on the building, property tax, nothing like that. People never understand those sides of things. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing it for the right reason, I think the the financial success and the emotional success will come. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the aha moment. 
Yeah. There's nothing like it. So uh, what I also find interesting about this is there have been studies that come out that show once people's basic financial needs are met and they hit a certain income threshold, we'll say 60, 80,000, you know, whatever the number is that varies from one person and family to another. Once those needs are met, your focus tends to shift more towards intangibles or how do you work with your employees? How do you like your boss? Do you enjoy what you do? Are you passionate about what you do? And so, yes, the, the financial success is, is nice, but at the end of the day, once our baser needs are met, it, it transitions into a focus of what are you passionate about? What is the culture like at the company that you're yes. at? Are you happy? Do you wake up in the morning and love going to work? Or do you wake up and just start crying because you've got to go yeah. to the office? <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the early days. Let me ask them. You're... The people that are under you, do you consider them employees or team members? I work for them. Servant, servant mindset. Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, that can, that can be tricky. And a lot of people that find themselves in management roles can struggle with that mindset. You, you, you have to be able to check your ego and say, this isn't about me. Yeah. This is about how can I ensure this person is successful? How can I ensure this person is successful? And at the end of the day, all ships rise with the tide. Correct. So if you have a high performing team and you've helped build and develop all of those individuals over time, yes, you, you will ultimately end up being successful but that can't be the driver it has to be about them and the individuals and how are you helping them create success for themselves whether that's financial or time-based yeah well like my biggest thing is um listening to that podcast you talk about the 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 servant's heart Mm -hmm. and uh a a boss that serves Mm -hmm. uh i'm sorry a leader that serves Mm -hmm. i hate the term boss um that being said we, we, it kind of touched me because I'm the kind of leader in this place that when I make a mistake, I'm very quick to go, my bad. Yep. I'm sorry. This, I, I, I fucked up and mm-hmm. I, and I, and I'm very, I'm very blunt with my team. Yeah. Cause they're not my employees. They're my team. Yeah. And, and while I lead the team, I'm also the same guy that will clean the toilets. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have any aversion to it. I think for a successful team, you have to have a leader that serves the team. You have to have a leader that goes, you know what, guys? Listen, we're, we're, we're lacking here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come in. I'm going to step up. We're going to knock this thing out. And I'll, I'll carry some of the load. Let's fucking do this. Yep. And, and serving your team to make them get better is an important thing. Most, most uh, higher-up positions, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't do that. No. And, and a lot of times you, you end up with managers that are kind of the result of the Peter principle. They were a great engineer. And so now by default, they are managing engineers. Well, that's a different skill set to be successful. And what you see is that new engineering manager that stepped into this role. He is probably the smartest engineer on the team. What he needs to realize and we touched on this earlier, is it's no longer about how much he can output, how much he can create. He is now responsible for ensuring his five employees can output and create as much as possible. And sometimes and ego... And surpass him. And surpass him, exactly. And sometimes ego plays into it and things like that. And, you know, Henry, I've had conver- I've sat down and had conversations, heart-to-heart conversations with members of my team that I just straight up told them, hey you have the potential to be so much greater than than me you have unlimited potential and you are going to surpass me one day and i hope when that happens that you keep me in mind <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely because i'll be out resume bro yeah exactly exactly and, yeah and that's the thing I, that i'm glad you touched on the peter principle because i know in your uh neck of the woods mm-hmm. with what you do you see that all the time have you ever, whenever you became the, the vice president of IT and you were climbing that particular ladder, mm-hmm. did you ever felt like the Peter principle kind of pertained to you or do you feel like it, it's something that, that you might've had at first, then you evolved from it? I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Nobody's ever just born a leader. Agreed. You know, we, ha- we have to, you know, every real leader 
takes L's. Mm-hmm. And they take just as many L's as they take W's. Yep. Do you think on, in your path, when you were coming up, when you're climbing every rung of the success ladder before you were the vice president of IT, when you became an IT manager, do you feel like the Peter principle pertained to you at first and then you had to evolve or, or so on and so forth? Yeah. So I think kind of what you're referring to is uh, there's a, a term for it called imposter syndrome. So what happens whenever you step into a role that maybe you're not trained to do or equipped to do, we have these initial feelings of, oh my God, I'm, I'm fake. They're going to find out that I'm not ready for this role, that I can't do this role. I'm actually chicken shit in real life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to find that out. Now you also hear people that talk about fake it till you make it. Okay. I, th- I, I hate think, that term. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know. But at the end of the day, when you think through stepping into leadership roles, first and foremost, you have to check your ego at the door and say, ah, oh, maybe I don't know everything. I'm going to have to start learning some stuff here. And to answer your question, yes, there were times whenever I doubted, can I do this? But I kept moving forward and I kept learning. And as I transitioned into more and more senior, senior leadership roles, the the focus of my develop my personal development became more on how can i effectively communicate and help more people become successful it's no longer about my ability to configure microsoft cloud azure servers there are experts on the team that can do that how can i ensure he is the most successful so there's a story that comes to mind for me we had a an email migration that occurred and the IT leader at the time who worked for me, he was set on cutting over a big bang cut over, like 140 employees all in one night. And I said, sure you want to do that? That could, you know, if things go wrong, that, that could be really rough. It could go south bad. It could go quick. south real bad as opposed to finding certain uh, smaller subsets of the population. Hey, let's do accounting. Let's do engineering let's do these smaller subsets and stage it out over a few you know a week or whatever you minimize the impact of the risk right Uh, he opted to go all in and just get it done now what i was concerned about happening ended up happening and we had 100 employees who couldn't work at all who couldn't do anything at that point in time my role transitioned into providing cover fire for him and when the VPs of operations and the COOs, hey, what's happening here? What is going on? My role was to protect him while Fade he and his team did what they needed to do. Fade heat. That's exactly right. And, and so as you grow into a leadership role, it, it really transitions into, again, focusing on your team, how you protect them, how you help them. And as far as the, the Peter Principle, I... I don't want to think of myself as being in that role, but there are times in my career that I probably wasn't quite equipped. (laughs) So another story that comes to mind when I first stepped into an IT manager role from a systems admin role, I was being hired at at a new company and the CEO of the company at the time was walking me around the office and he showed me the server room door. I opened up the door and there's 15 servers and switches and firewalls all sitting there in a rack. And he's like, hey, here's our here's our computer our, our computer room, I think he called it. He's like, can you manage and support that? And I was like, oh yeah, no, no, no worries at all. I had no clue what the hell to do with all of that. I had managed one server before in one small office with like five people. So, so I got in there and I spent countless hours on Google. Thank God for Google. Yes. Right. Google so, and YouTube all yeah, day. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so in any event, yeah, I stepped up and it, there's a phrase I'm sure you've heard it before. If someone offers you an opportunity and you don't know how to do it, say yes and learn. And so I think that's also a key part. And whenever you look at career progression and stepping up, you've got to get out on that ledge and push yourself. Absolutely. I, I use that, uh, get out on a ledge and learn mm-hmm. all the time with, uh, when I first started the business, like yep. I, I'd never done photography. I'd never done uh, editing. I'd never designed apparel. Everything that uh, we became known for, I'd never done. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to use YouTube. And then several photographers came into my life. And I'm like, do you mind if I tag along on some shoots and just pick your brain a little bit? And I was very blessed to have a couple people say yes. And I was like, okay, cool. And I learned from really great photographers. And I've learned to play with it. But there's something about getting out and learning a, a new skill set mm-hmm. to not only broaden your scope, but also uh, 
enhance and fine tune what you're already really good at. Yep. And with any business, that's, you know, whether you're an employee, an entrepreneur or, or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's some things that you can just hone your skills. All you got to do is go, Hey, can I, do you mind if I tag along? Yep. Can you teach me something? Mm-hmm. Or if someone comes to you and goes, hey, man, you want to learn how to put a motor in a car? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm curious, when you had those conversations, how responsive were those photographers to you? How did they respond to you tagging along? And, and Well, honestly, some of them were just like, nah, man, I'm good. And, and, <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm not trying to jack your style. I'm not trying to, to, to do what you do. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to grow this thing. I mm-hmm. just need to know how to you know, work the camera a little better. And yeah. most of them are like, nah, man, you, you can YouTube it. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to teach you. I don't yeah. have time. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like, sure, man. And, and I would just sit there and I would go, okay, so what's your F stop? What's this? Mm-hmm. And people would be like, yeah, man, but let's show you how to do all this stuff. And let's show you how to, to sync it all up. And then they go, they come into my office and use the Wi-Fi and whatever. And go, Hey, man, I'm gonna do some editing. You want to see how to do this? You want yeah. to work? See how to work Lightroom? See how to work Premiere Pro? Also, and I was like, hell yeah, yeah. And and, and it was just a learning experience. And and I would do some bartering. Hey, man, I'll give you a free membership for a year. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was like three hundred and sixty dollars yeah. value. I was like, can you show me how to do this? Yep. And like, fuck yeah, let's do this real quick. And and they'd be all about it. I think that's where a lot of the whole thing comes from. Of just from a business standpoint and learning how to get better and asking for help or going, Hey man, you're fucking awesome at what you do. Can mm-hmm. you, can you give me a glimpse of how to do something mm-hmm. and kind of maybe walk me through it a couple of times and let me learn. And most time, most real entrepreneurs, people that have a servant's heart, people yeah. that have a, a, the, a point of leadership where they go, I want to see you do better. They're going to say yes. Exactly. So that's kind of the point that I was hoping would come out of that story yeah. is it's about building your network of, of trusted individuals and friends because those people that, nah, man, I'm good, right? You probably don't talk to them that much anymore. I don't, not right? at all. Because they're not worried about your success. But those others that came in, took the time because they wanted to see you be successful, you're probably going above and beyond to help them out in anything that they do. And those are the types of individuals that you want in your network with your close group of, of friends and community. Well, one of them, and I, the best story I can give is uh, my friends, Ray and Jen, I had them on the podcast about like 20 episodes ago. Okay. Um, they own a little company called find apparel company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met at a fitness expo and Ray's a army veteran, super great guy. And he's like, well, I really want to learn how to do like what Flagner fell does. Okay. And so he started on that path of not necessarily copying them, but kind of like taking some of their flavor mm-hmm. and using it for photos. And he, he learned not just photography, but he learned what we were talking about with gimbals. He learned how to use a gimbal correctly and mm-hmm. learn how to video. And now he edits and does all these great things and he makes his living doing that and I said hey man can you teach me some things Mm -hmm. with the camera can you teach me how to do some stuff with apparel to where I can get better at it and we we use that now he's wanting to open up a gym I'm like bro here's the numbers you need to talk to here's the banks Mm -hmm. I'm like let me help you out any way I can because I want to see him be successful he was there for me I'm going to be there for him yeah when he opens his gym in Dallas I will road trip my ass off I'll take the car up there we're going to do that. We'll do a photo shoot, whatever. And I will go in there and work out and take them all to dinner and say, man, dude, you're doing it. Yep. Cause that's what friends and that's what people who want to see you successful do. And that's one of the things that I love so much about the entrepreneurship community. Entrepreneurs do everything they can to help fellow entrepreneurs out because they know how difficult it can be. Yeah. And that's the type of community that, that I want to be involved with and to help people out and to learn from all of them. It's just, when you look at small businesses and and even some medium businesses, but a lot of times the larger businesses grow in scale, the focus drifts away from the employees and the customer to the dollars. And especially at publicly traded companies, it's all about the dollar. Yeah. And instead of focusing on the employees and the customers, which is crazy because one would think if your employees are happy and your customers are happy, the dollars are going to take care of themselves. Absolutely. But when you focus solely on the investor side, the dollar side, that has an adverse effect on morale. Yeah. 
and you know the employees they can see it they can pick up on it and that's why there's there's a reason that people talk about large companies you just feel like a number because small businesses you have that tight-knit group culture and more times than not the leader or the entrepreneur is able to effectively communicate their vision because they are so passionate about it. Yeah. And that I think is, is a key. And one of the also drivers for me to want to continue pursuing that path because that's what lights a fire in me. Well, I think, I think you are probably three to five years away from just becoming a full blown entrepreneur. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, you have like said, servant's heart. You want to see people be successful. You want to see that. I think you're you're laying a foundation that most mm-hmm. entrepreneurs wish they would have done. Mm. It might take you a little longer to get here. Yep. But you're laying a foundation with what you're doing that most people can only dream of. Yeah, and you know, I have mentors in my life that have just straight up told me you're never going to be successful until you just quit your full-time job and just go all in. And then you and I have other mentors that say start it on the side. Build it over time. The Lay si- that foundation. The side right? hustle millionaire. That's exactly. You knew what I was talking about. Tony. Tony, that's right. So, you know, we are all in different phases in, in our lives, and some people have more financial freedom than others. And for individuals that have the financial capacity to just leave their job and not get paid for a year or two or more just based off of everything that they've saved and accumulated over the years. I commend them. That's incredible. Yeah. But not everybody has that opportunity. A lot of people have to start building things up on the side and, and following their passion that way. And it, it, it is exhausting, but at the same time, I can venture to say you were exhausted the first few years of starting your business. So you choose your heart. I, I, I believe you've walked in on me asleep with death metal playing. How's it go? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and, and I, I kind of, you know, we're kind of getting towards something to where I, I really want you to touch base on it because I think you would probably be the quintessential person to actually say this, your personality type, stepping out on your own mm-hmm. that because most people are just scared to do it in general. Agreed. Most people are scared to do what I do. Most people are scared to do what Jeff Bezos and, and, and Mark Cuban and all these billionaires do mm-hmm. most people are terrified of it yeah and we a lot of us i mean i have a, a type a personality i'm mm-hmm. an alpha all day long i'm yep. very outspoken borderline arrogant okay um someone like you who's an introvert type c personality kind of walk me through that feeling of going you know what i'm not only going to do youtube not only going to do a podcast but i'm gonna start a consulting business where i hustle on my own yeah but yeah, I very talk, much. I want to talk about the mental side of it. Yeah, so uh, again, very much an introverted heart, and I am. Anybody that knows me knows how risk averse I am. There, a good friend of mine that I've known for for years, went to yeah, high school together. He jokes around about Sean probably has every nickel he had from from his days back at doing boat lifts whenever he was sixteen years old. I'm very risk averse when it comes to investing again, very risk averse. And so that has been a challenge for me, but I also know that I'm meant for more. And so part of my focus has been, okay, how do I accomplish more while mitigating risk in the process? And you touched on it earlier. It's building that foundation. Okay. Then how do I build that foundation? All right. Well, I've got to market myself somehow. I don't have money to go out and, and pay for Facebook ads and all of that stuff. And then plus, nobody really knew who I was anyways. So, okay, let's let's come out of my shell. Let's start a podcast. Let's start a YouTube channel. And for those of you that, that are following and have seen my videos, you can see how nervous I am and hear it in my voice for the first few weeks. Now, over time, I've gradually become more comfortable, more confident, but I'm laying that foundation. And you touched on it. I'm probably a few years away from being able to dive into it full time. And that may be true. I'd like to do a little bit sooner than that. I'd like to be a bit more aggressive on that front. Uh, But it's all about having a plan. And I know ultimately what I want to achieve, but I know I'm at A. I can't step out and be at Z. I've got to figure out, okay, well, A is here. B is start a podcast. 
C is, okay, let's hone in on the craft of, okay, what exactly are we going to offer? Probably have those backwards, actually. Um, but you've got to go step by step. And that's kind of the approach that I'm taking is, okay, I'm laying this foundation, A, B, C, kind of gradually working my way through it. And when the time is right, I don't know for when that will be exactly for me to just jump out on my own and leave full-time employment because that's a scary leap. Oh, it's terrifying. But you know, what's interesting is a lot of people say, and my family is, is always been real big on this, you know, get a job, have that stability, right? I've been in oil and gas for the majority of my career. If you think a full-time job is stable, you're kidding yourself. It's, it's, Especially in your industry, it's up and down. It's it a is. roller coaster. It is an absolute roller coaster. I've been through three down, downturns in my oil and gas career. Fortunately, never been laid off in any of them. But it is it is brutal. You're very fortunate. I got I, I got laid off. That's how this whole thing started. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's a driver behind a lot of people starting their businesses. And if we look at last year, 2020, and COVID, and what that has just done not only to oil and gas, but business in general. It has obliterated our economy and businesses. And I think that we're going to start seeing a proliferation of side hustles and, and this gig economy where people just, they start following their passion because there's no other work out there. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be shocked if businesses started to say, lean into using more 1099 contractors or s- small businesses for projects to get them across the finish line and then move forward. So I think we'll start to see more of that. But to circle back around on on my plan, yes, very risk averse. It is kind of nerve wracking for me, but also one of the things that I'm doing, all of the consulting work that I've been doing for the past few months, I'm not paying myself anything. You it's shouldn't. just going into my company bank account you and shouldn't. it's just sitting there. So, you know, I don't need the income because I have full-time employment. And so doing this stuff on the side, it's just I'm building this savings to lean into when the time is right. And, and another aspect of the consulting stuff you mentioned that I'm, yes, I'm using 1099 contractors, but during the downturn, there were a lot of people, good, good people that lost their jobs. Absolutely. And so I'm thinking, hey, if, if I can land a project and 1099 this person out, get them some cash flow, why not? Absolutely. Right. So that was that was another thing that came up over the past year of, hey, I can lean in and help some of these other people out. And again, it kind of falls back to that servant leadership. How can I help others out? And it's not just about the money. It's about how can you help all these individuals out? And when you have that mindset, I'm supremely confident that ultimately you you will be you will be successful. Yeah. And and I think you're there. I mean, you have the right mindset. You have that most people that that start businesses are are very like i guess you could say type a personality mm-hmm. but they lack the 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 analytical side they lack the part that goes okay here's where we are now mm-hmm. that's how to get better let's be more analytical because i mean it takes a certain set of balls to start a business yeah to stand out on your own it's terrifying. Yep. Even no matter how cocky you are, how confident you are, whatever you want to call that thin blue line between uh, sane and crazy. Yep. It's it's a feeling that it's unlike anything because I was laid off. I yep. I Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, working for a paycheck versus working for money. Mm-hmm. I went from working for a paycheck; it was taken away from me, and I started the b- business three months after three and a half months after out of fear mm-hmm. i was like you know what if i'm gonna be afraid of something i'm gonna be able to when i fail i want to fall flat on my face and be of my own volition not of anything else mm-hmm. and i think most people are scared to even take that first step yeah the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step and it's a step after that and a step after that and a step after that and you are on your way you might not have realized it yet you might have your very intelligent individual you're not on step one. You're you're like a hundred miles into that thousand yard journey, and only in those hundred miles was just literally you going from type C, mm-hmm. going. You know what? I'm gonna get out there and do this. I'm gonna put my thoughts, my my mindset, my brain out there mm-hmm. for the world to see. Yeah. So whenever we keep referencing kind of personality profiles, that type C personality that's very analytical, conscientious, and and reserved. Uh, very hesitant to, to step out and do anything. When you look at driven individuals, which kind of fall on a D on, on the disc 
um, on the disc quadrant. Those driven individuals, they, they're more of a shoot first, ask questions later. And one of the things that I've seen in my career is when you pair people up like that, you take a driven individual and one that's highly analytical, that person that's driven is going to take a project or a mission and just run it through a brick wall. The C person is going to say, hold on, we're going to have a mess. What can we do to, to mitigate risk and minimize the damage? Well, maybe we can put a net up and pick some of these bricks up, or maybe we can hit the wall over here yeah. and do less damage. And so for me, the challenge has been, how do I be less C? And we touched on it earlier, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. And for me, it just clicked. I joined the 365 Driven Society and the group accountability that is involved there when you you join those calls and have those conversations and somebody's like hey so what have you got done oh well i've just been sitting running numbers and calculations okay so what have you actually got done yeah what's, what's your actual <laughs> yeah exactly what is your action item that's going to take you to step c or d yeah. or whatever that may yeah, be what, what's your action item that made you better what is you've been running numbers all day yeah what step did you take exactly. what forward momentum did you take that's exactly right yeah. so so trying to surround myself with those types of individuals and forcing myself out of my shell realizing hey if i'm going to accomplish what i i feel i can and know in my heart that i can i'm gonna have to do this i'm gonna have to get uncomfortable yes i have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable then comfort kills yeah yeah absolutely it absolutely does listen i, I think th there's no better way to end it than that right there guys listen if you like sean sean how can they find you man absolutely so sean it's s-e-a-n so sean at the way of the wolf.com i'm always looking for feedback guidance and and just networking in general so please feel free to reach out to me anytime so Reach out to him there. Guys, check out The Way of the Wolf on YouTube. Um, incredible things come from this man. Just in the realm of leadership, uh, the brain, the mind behind him. Not only that, he's got a cool car. You know, <laughs> I'm always going to throw that out there. That's how we became friends. He's, yeah. got, a he's got a killer car. Yeah. Um, you know, everything in, in life that we've done is, is always somehow came back around, whether mm -hmm. it's car thing the gym thing me and tony and realizing we we're all into the same shit like yep. it, it's crazy how the thing works and I, and I absolutely believe you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with agreed and i try to constantly surround myself with not only successful people but intelligent people people who consider actions before doing it um anything to make me a better human being i'm always going to be around that person try to do better Man, thank you so much for being on here. I truly appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, guys, if you like what you heard, hit like, hit subscribe, follow Sean, follow the way of the wolf. Have a wonderful day. Be blessed. An AMF. An AMF. An AMF. An AMF.